gathering together at the birth of a new day. Coming out of the realm of, of sleep and dream, light coming into the world, birds waking up, gathering together here in the shrine room. And joining our voices, our intentions together as best we can to focus our attention on these teachings, these principles. Acquainting ourselves with these, these tools, these uh, qualities, these points of view that the, the Buddha's teaching has bequeathed to us. Bringing attention to the posture of the body. Noticing the, the mood. The attitude within the heart. Are we sleepy? Are we wakeful? Be excited, anxious, alert, distracted. Once again, it's not a matter of where we're starting from, what the, the attributes of the body or the mind are, their patterns in this moment. The most important thing is to begin with noticing this is what we have to work with. This mood, this body, this mind, this moment. Inviting the body to sit in an upright way, letting the spine extend to its full, comfortable length. And relaxing, settling. Giving ourselves permission to be at ease. And feeling the presence of the breath, the rhythm of our own breathing, 
just as day and night are a natural succession of beginnings and endings, the birth of a new day, the death of a day at evening, nightfall. So too the breath is like a succession of births and deaths, each inhalation a new beginning, a life being launched, rises to its peak of the end of the inhalation, then it turns and descends the out-breath through middle age, fading, dissolving till the end of the out-breath to death, inhaling birth, exhaling death. At the end of the out-breath, there's a slightly longer pause and it turns again and a new birth begins. We can train ourselves, teach ourselves to see things in this way the simple and repetitive cycle of the breath, also with our moods, seeing the birth of a, a cheerful mood, then, then that comes to an end, the birth of a solemn, distracted, fragmented mood, then that comes to an end. We're beginning to notice, training ourselves to notice the arising and ceasing of different perceptions, the sound of a bird beginning and ending, the feel of a breath beginning and ending, a mood beginning and ending. So we are training ourselves to look at that changingness, the transiency, the anicchata, the quality of, of change itself, arising and ceasing, coming and going. But that which is aware of the coming and going isn't going anywhere, is it? It's always here. It's unentangled knowing. This awareness is always here. The center of our subjective realm is always here. Life is always experienced right here. Wherever we are, wherever we've been throughout our entire life, it's always been here, hasn't it? Regardless of the place on the planet, 
there's always this here-ness to it. Always this nowness, sanditiko. Here and now. So in this way that we can consider, reflect how this quality of knowing, this vijja, this awareness, is ever-present. It has uh, the attributes of timelessness. It's not connected to the flow of time. It's always here. So just as we have the flow of hours and minutes, the date on the calendar that changes and passes by, there is that sequential time. We also have this experience simultaneously of the timeless, the ever-present, the living now. Even in Greek mythology, they represented these two different kinds of time. (coughs) Kronos was the god of sequential time, and Kairos was the god of the timeless moment, the ever-present now. So too in Dhamma, the Akaliko Dhamma, the timeless Dhamma, the Pachupana Dhamma, Sanditiko, akaliko, ehi pasiko, opanaiko, pachatang, veditabo, inyuhi. Apparent here and now, timeless. Our experience, therefore, is a a meeting of these two qualities, the flow of time and the ever-present moment. Ajahn Chah used to talk about these using the phrase, still flowing water. He'd say, have you ever seen flowing water? People would say, yes, of course. Did you ever see still water? Yes. Did you ever see still flowing water? Nam Lai Ning. Nam Lai Ning. People would be puzzled. What does he mean? How can water be both flowing and still at the same time? And he'd explain, this very mind, our experience, is like still flowing water. Perceptions flow. Feelings begin and end. The breath begins and ends. It flows. But that which knows, that which is aware, the puru, the one who knows, that unentangled participating 
unentangled knowing is perfectly still. It's outside the realm of space and sequential time. It's always here, always in the now. So he called it still flowing water. One way that we can use to help develop more of an uh, attention or a sense of this ever-present stillness, the ever-present knowing, if we listen closely behind the sound of my voice, the birds, singing outside the building. If we listen, the background of our hearing, there's a a high-pitched, incessant, ringing tone, like a continuous white noise in the background of our hearing. This is called the the sound of silence or the nada. In Sanskrit, Brahmanada, the divine sound. See if you can hear that, notice that. Never beginning, never ending, ever present. subtle, but when we turn to it, very obvious. Some people find it difficult to to discern or to pick up. If you, if that's the case for you, then uh, then don't worry. But for many people, something we can perceive, can attend to. And if not as a sound, perhaps you might be able to feel it as a subtle vibration in your skin, or even a a vibration, an oscillation of the visual field. Now we can use this this inner sound or the, the nada as a meditation object, just like we use the breath. And just as the breath can be a symbol for the the world of, of birth and death, beginning and ending, then the inner sound 
can be a symbol for the deathless, the unborn, the undying. Even though it's a sense object, it has attributes that resonate the qualities of Dhamma itself, ever-present, never beginning or ending. not subject to personal will. You can't decide to, to do something with it. You can attend to it and notice it or ignore it. But you, I can't do anything with it. So if we pay attention to it, it becomes obvious. If we ignore it, it fades away. So it's got a quality of subtlety to be seen by each wise person for themselves. Like Dhamma, it doesn't grab our attention. We have to notice. We have to look. So it's not to say that if we can hear the inner sound, this means we've realized the Dhamma or we've become a stream enterer or something. It's merely a symbol for these transcendent qualities. It has these attributes that resonate. The qualities of the Dhamma itself. And just as the breath and the sound of silence both perceived, both known within the same space, you see how they fit together. The rhythm of the body breathing, the ringing silence there in the background. The time-bound and the timeless are here together. We can, we can begin to see, to feel. This is how these fit together, how they work together. There's the rhythm of birth and death, and here is the timeless, ever-present, apparent here and now. weekend that we had before this retreat began, Ajahn Kalyana was speaking of how death and the deathless fit together, how they coexist. So right here, watching these attributes of our experience, the rhythm of the breathing, feeling that, 
the presence of the inner sound, the sound of silence, attending to that. It's in a simple way that these things fit together in our own perceptions. It can begin to intuit, it can awaken the intuition of how these more profound qualities work together. They interpenetrate, relate to each other. The timeless Dhamma, the here and now Dhamma, and the flow of time, the flow of births and deaths, cycles of beginnings and endings. Words arise and pass away. Birdsong arises and passes away. But that which knows them is always here. Planes coming from Luton Airport, going to Luton Airport. They come and go. The sounds arise and pass. But that knowing, this unentangled participating awareness, is always here. This is why we say the Buddha is a refuge, Buddhang Saranangachami, because the true Buddha is that very awareness. The Buddha which is a refuge, Puru, the one who knows, that which is awake, aware. The refuge here and now is not the idea of the Buddha, the memory of the great teacher who lived two and a half thousand years ago, but that living actuality of our own awareness. This is the safe place, here and now. being that knowing, here, now, this is the refuge, that which knows births and deaths, which is free from being born and dying, this is the refuge.
we can also use this uh, inner listening to support the quality of the development of wisdom, uh, the development of vipassana or insight very directly. If the mind becomes more settled and stable, the attention resting easily in the present, then we can let go of the feeling of the breath as a particular object. Just let the mind be open, spacious. Attentive to the present, just letting the, the ringing silence be here in the background. And against that we can watch the flow of, of experience, sound, feeling in the body, memories, ideas, being born into that space, doing their thing, fading away. And that ringing silence, the nada sound in the background, helps to remind us, like a screen against which all of our projections are displayed. If the attention is able to rest steadily in the present, just allow the heart, the mind to be open, accommodating in this way, receiving the flow of impressions and moods, perceptions, letting them be born, knowing them, letting them fade away. Taking them in, knowing them, Releasing them. It's like the lungs taking the breath. Absorb the oxygen, let go of the carbon dioxide, and breathe out. Release and relinquish. If we're able to sustain this quality of spacious, open awareness, then this becomes a <coughs> fertile ground for us to be able to investigate. The word templum in Latin, our English word temple, comes from the word templum in Latin, which means a uh, an area, a designated area marked out by the astrologers or soothsayers to, uh, to read the signs and see, to interpret how things are, what's the nature of the universe in this moment. So to contemplate is to be in the temple, to be with the temple. So if we're able to establish this quality of open, 
accommodating unbiased awareness, the open heart, receiving the flow of impressions. And this can become a, a fertile ground for contemplation, a templum in which to investigate, to explore our world. So as we were talking yesterday about questions, decisions, one way that we can use this fertile space of our own heart when we've established a quality of steadiness, attention on the present, a, a quality of openness, alertness, receptivity, then into that templum, into the space of our own mind, we can invite a particular question. What's the best thing for me to do? How can I help my mother? Whatever the individual question might be. How can I let go of this deep-rooted destructive habit. What should I do with my house? Whatever the question might be, though if we wish to investigate these issues in our life, then one very helpful way we can do this is to establish this open, clear, unbiased awareness here in the present the heart be open, just listening to the inner sound, invite such a question in, and then to attend, to watch what arises, what springs forth from the heart. What is the best thing for me to do here? We're not trying to calculate our way to certainty. We're not weighing up the pros and cons. Just inviting that question into the space of our own heart. Like visiting the oracle of our own heart. And asking. Tapping into our own intuitive wisdom, our own innate wisdom, in an uncluttered and clear way.
Or maybe when we do this, suddenly there's a, a blazing clarity, like the the morning sun coming out from behind the clouds and filling the room with light. Aha! Of course. That's what I want. Why was I being so stupid? How did I miss that? Or what can arise is, I don't know. It's a total mystery. But even that, if what arises is the realization of, I haven't a clue. It's not knowable right now. That too is very useful. If we look into the heart in this way with some particular issue or question, struggle, we ask that, what is going on here? What's motivating me? How can I help my brother? And what arises is just more ringing silence. That too can be helpful because what it tells us is right now it's not knowable. The fog is thick. More blinking and turning up the lights is not going to make it easier to see. So, be patient. Let the weather change. And maybe in a while we'll be able to see more clearly. No need to be fretful, anxious. Be patient. No need to fill up the unknown with a fear or a hope or a belief. So this is the contemplative process, how we truly contemplate, developing the templum, that fertile space of our own heart, so we can draw upon the attributes of our natural wisdom, our own intrinsic relatedness to the way things are, how this body, this mind, are indeed intrinsically and completely related to the world and how it works. It is the world. We are the world. We are all attributes of Dhamma. It all functions according to the same laws. And when we open the heart, listen to the heart in this way, in essence we're listening to the Dhamma. The patterning of the way things are being known right here through the agency of this mind, this body, this life. Knowing, feeling, realizing the Dhamma in this moment. 